Out in the Bay receives support from Project Open Hand, whose medically tailored food helps Bay Area residents recover from illness, get stronger, and lead healthier lives. Project Open Hand serves people with HIV/AIDS, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and other critical illnesses. Learn more at openhand.org. Welcome to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Christopher Beale. The CDC says that monkeypox is a global health emergency. California and several other states have made their own declarations and started pooling resources, but access to monkeypox vaccines remains problematic. There are more than 1,300 cases in California, and here in San Francisco, where we produce Out in the Bay, Monkeypox cases are in the mid-hundreds and rising. Monkeypox has primarily affected men who sleep with men, but health experts warn that can and likely will change. Eric Jansen hosted NPR member station KALW's live show, State of the Bay, on August 1st, and spoke with health experts and members of the community about monkeypox. This week, we present an edited version of that program on Out in the Bay. Here to discuss what we know about monkeypox, what's being done to curb the virus's spread, and how to protect yourself is Dr. Susan Phillip, health officer for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Welcome, Dr. Phillip. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Phillip, let's start with the basics. What is monkeypox and how does it show up in humans? Monkeypox is a viral infection, and it is a viral infection that is a a relative of smallpox, which was previously a very serious disease um, that was was quite lethal. So fortunately, monkeypox is more mild than smallpox was, but it can still cause very severe symptoms. And the most striking symptoms of monkeypox are skin lesions, so skin rashes, which can be quite extensive and in some people can cause um, so much pain that they have difficulty eating or urinating and can lead to scarring in some situations. And the way it is spread is by close person-to-person, skin-to-skin contact for the most part. And so that can be close contact, including sex. And it can also be spread by uh, very close face-to-face contact and large respiratory droplets. But it doesn't spread through the air as easily as COVID-19 does. So it is a different virus, but it is a serious one nonetheless. And it's causing a lot of pain and suffering for people in San Francisco and around the world. You mentioned a moment ago that it can be transmitted through through respiratory droplets, but not, uh, you'd have to be, I guess what you're saying, much closer to somebody than with uh, COVID where you would maybe six feet away is what's considered safe still, I suppose. Well, with COVID, as the COVID virus has has uh, changed uh, over time in the subvariants, it's it's really uh, not the six feet are, are not necessarily safe anymore. It really is being in the same airspace and the same interior space with people. But for monkeypox, yes, it is really face-to-face, very close contact, such as kissing or, or having a saliva or the respiratory droplets at very close contact. But really what we're finding is that most people are reporting that it's the skin-to-skin contact, including uh, sex most mm-hmm. commonly. That is how it's being transmitted. So if routine vaccination against smallpox ended in the 1970s, what level of protection or immunity do we have now against this new virus? There are some people who have some level of partial immunity against monkeypox because they received the smallpox vaccination. But what is being recommended now by the CDC and what we also say in San Francisco is that even if you've gotten a a smallpox vaccination, if it's been more than three years ago 
and you are concerned because you have either been told you had an exposure or you're in one of the groups that we recommend for vaccine, then you should still go and seek, seek out a monkeypox vaccine right now. Who are most at risk for severe disease at this point? Well, the, the virus itself and the infections that we have seen globally have it was introduced into networks of, of gay men, um, bisexual men, other men who have sex with men. And again, I really want to state and emphasize that this is not related to sexual orientation or gender identity. This really is the networks into which the virus was first introduced. So those are the individuals that we are also seeing in San Francisco who are uh, most likely to, to have cases of, of monkeypox and they tend to be younger from uh, 25 to 54 years of age. Um, and so the people who have been known to have the more severe cases are people who have immunocompromising conditions where their immune system may not be as robust people that have widespread um, skin disorders or skin diseases um, at baseline. If they get monkeypox, it can be more severe. And then people who are pregnant and in children who are young under the age of eight. We also feel that from the data that those people are also at risk for more severe illness. Why have we seen such an increase in cases across the world recently? Well, we don't know the exact reason. So it's really important that unlike the the COVID-19 virus, which was called SARS-CoV-2, this is not a new virus to human beings. And we have had outbreaks of monkeypox that have happened for a long time. The virus was first um, identified in 1958. So this has occurred from time to time, but they've been more sporadic outbreaks, not passing as much person to person, but related to contact to animals who may have gotten infected. So it is acting a little bit differently um, in this current global outbreak. And so we need to understand more about it. But from what we know of the way that the virus transmits and the ways that we can protect ourselves, we know that vaccine um, and, and getting vaccinated is the primary way we can stop transmission. And knowing how the virus spreads from person to person enables people to also understand how they might also choose to, to think about protecting themselves and those around them. So the two things that we are trying to do at the Department of Public Health is really, first of all, to get vaccine out as quickly as we get it to the people who could benefit from it, but also make sure that there's information going out through a variety of means to the public and to organizations that are serving people who are being impacted. Here in the Bay Area, we have detected the monkeypox virus in wastewater. What does that tell us about the number of cases in the Bay Area? We were the first um, city to really detect this in, in California to detect monkeypox virus in our uh, wastewater surveillance, and it is continuing. So I think what it tells us is what we're seeing from our case numbers and what we're hearing from people who are uh, who are telling us about their experiences and the providers who are seeing patients is that there's a, a lot of monkeypox out there, and we most likely are undercounting the actual number of cases that we have. So we do have a listener question already. This has been emailed in. If monkeypox is transmitted during sex, is it considered an STD? This is a really great question. It is being seen very often in our sexual health clinics, including at City Clinic in San Francisco. And those providers are, are really uh, becoming experts, unfortunately, on diagnosing it and treating it and um, providing vaccine to people. But it is not necessarily uh, fully sexually transmitted, meaning is it transmitted through semen or vaginal fluids? And, and evaluations are still ongoing to determine if that's true. And it may very well be that it is just the close contact that sex often entails that is really how, uh, how monkeypox is spreading. So we could say it's sexually associated infection or we could say it's sexually transmitted. But again, there's a little bit more work to do to understand exactly all the routes by which it could transmit. I wanna to go to a caller now. We have a star child. 
Yeah, um, I'm wondering what her take is on the uh, how much regulatory bureaucratic delay there is. And I know there have been similar complaints about monkeypox from Raphael Mendelman, supervisor in District 8. He said it was unacceptable, the federal delays. Dr. Phillip, do you have a, a response to that? Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, with the, with the COVID-19 vaccines, we really were starting from scratch because this was a brand new virus that humans had never seen before and we had no immunity against, uh, against the virus. With monkeypox... Well, the vaccine because- was done. It was the federal delay. The FDA didn't allow the public to take it. I don't think anybody should have been forced to take the vaccine, but for people who were very vulnerable to COVID or are very vulnerable, that delay cost many of them their lives. They did not have access to the vaccine. I don't want to see this happen again with monkeypox. What can we do to cut the federal bureaucracy and uh, delays of uh, letting people self-medicate with things like this? Thank you. Yes. Well, there there are uh, there are authorized uh, vaccines against monkeypox, and the the one that is most commonly used is Genios. The real issue with the monkeypox vaccines is that there is a global supply shortage. There's one manufacturer of these vaccines, and that manufacturer is in Denmark. And so, whenever you have a single manufacturer in a global uh, a global uh, pandemic or uh, a global outbreak, you really do uh, you really run into challenges in getting enough vaccine. And that is the the main issue that we are dealing with in San Francisco at the local level. And I know my colleagues all across the country and the globe are, are facing the same thing, is getting enough of this vaccine, which has been developed and uh, has been shown to be effective in uh, preventing the onset of monkeypox if it's given immediately after exposure or given as a preventive to people. Uh, and it's getting those vaccines and getting them into arms. And that's really what we're trying to do as quickly as possible in San Francisco. Out in the Bay is supported in part by Project Open Hand, providing 2,500 life-saving meals and 200 bags of groceries daily to sustain people experiencing illness, social isolation, or the health challenges of aging. Learn more at openhand.org. Project Open Hand. Meals with love. We're speaking with Dr. Susan Phillip, health officer for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Dr. Phillip, I want to ask you, the first few cases in kids were reported last week. Are you concerned about increasing transmission with kids going back to school and and college even for that matter? Well, you know, we we always worry about about transmission uh, within all groups, and so we uh, we initially had thought that there had been a case in a child that was a San Francisco resident, but it turns out that that test, when when done, when the confirmation test was done at CDC, it was not positive. But we do know that um, there are children in households with patients who have monkeypox, and we know that skin-to-skin contact, the way that children have with each other, could be a source of spread. So certainly we worry about spread within all populations, and children are among those. But there haven't been very many cases yet in the United States, but that's certainly something that we want to keep watching very closely. Do you anticipate any new guidelines for schools from the, uh, from the department, from San Francisco Department of Health? Well, we have been working very closely with the schools ever since the COVID-19 pandemic started, and and we continue to have that close relationship with them. So we are going to be working on some some general guidance to explain to people what is and what isn't the risk uh, of of monkeypox and um, and how to to keep uh, children in schools as safe as possible. But at this point, those uh, individuals, those kids are not at, at high risk in the general population in San Francisco. There's also been some concern expressed about whether monkeypox can spread via contact sports, gyms, and so on. Do you see new public health guidelines around these activities? 
Well, uh, we, what we are going to be doing is really letting people know the ways in which it can spread. Again, very, very close contact. And certainly that could occur in, in gyms and other types of, of contact sports, such as wrestling. And we want people to be aware of that. One of the most important messages that I want to get out is that if people um, notice a, a rash, if they notice uh, sort of an unusual lesions, and uh, sometimes it's preceded or followed by flu-like symptoms, they really should be evaluated. And particularly if they are you know, members of the communities who have been most impacted, if they have either been told that they've been exposed to monkeypox, if they are a gay man, a bisexual man, trans person, um, or a person who is a sex worker, all of those groups are recommended to get the vaccine. Um, and, and for anyone who feels that they have an unusual rash, they should try and see if they could get that evaluated and to cover cover that up for the moment, wear a mask and to do that. So I think it's really important for people to be aware of their own health and their symptoms. Uh, but again, you know, at the moment, this is not a general uh, infection that we're seeing in young children um, uh, very much. And so it's, it's important to also have a balance there as well. I'm curious about one thing about how uh, declarations of emergency are issued San Francisco issued its uh, declaration of an emergency for monkeypox uh, last Thursday, I believe, but it didn't take effect until today. This is Out in the Bay, Queer Radio. I'm Christopher Beale. You're listening to a conversation that was recorded on Monday, August 1st on KALW's live call-in program, State of the Bay in San Francisco. Well, what we wanted to announce on on Thursday was a was was I as the health officer doing a public health emergency, and I was very happy that Mayor Breed also felt very strongly about this issue and, and protecting health in San Francisco to really join us and and to lead in saying that this was a really important issue. And you know, you raise a really important question about um, community efforts, and I'm really interested to hear Chair Aguilar's comments on this coming up as well. I do not intend at this moment to have health officer orders the same way that we did with COVID-19. I'm not going to be closing any establishments or restricting people's behavior. That is not the purpose of this emergency declaration. It really is to give us as a department the most latitude we can have in, in mobilizing to, to prevent infections. It is also to send a clear message to the people of San Francisco, to our community partners, and to our state and federal partners as well about our, our uh, need, our severe need for, for vaccines here to help people. Okay, so about the vaccine, just a couple of last questions here. Who's eligible for the vaccine right now? Uh, where can they get it? And um, we understand many people have only received one of the two doses. Is it effective to have one dose uh, and not both? Yes. So the people who are eligible to get vaccine right now is anyone who has been exposed to a person has come into close skin to skin contact with a person uh, who has monkeypox, um, laboratory workers that are working with specimens that have monkeypox and any healthcare worker who had a breach of their uh, personal protective equipment and maybe came into contact with lesions without gloves and, and, and their face masks and gowns on. Um, but the other people who are eligible right now in San Francisco are gay men, bisexual men, other men who have sex with men, trans persons, um, any of those who have had more than one partner in the last 14 days, and people who do sex work as well. So those are the groups that are, those are all the groups that are eligible. And as you mentioned, we are giving a single dose now, and we are deferring the second dose. We will give the second doses when we have enough vaccine. They're normally given at 28 days, but it is safe to go ahead and get that dose uh, later than that. You don't have to restart the vaccine series or start over. And the reason that we're doing that is to try to give as many people as possible the benefit of that initial dose. The uh, FDA 
really says that you need both of the doses to be fully vaccinated, but there are good data out there that say that one dose um, can be effective for, uh, for, for months and even uh, a year or more. So certainly we want there to be enough vaccine that we can get the second doses to people as soon as possible. Also, people that have uh, medical conditions, uh, including uh, a sort of uh, immune system uh, conditions that make their immune system a little weaker, will get the second dose at 28 days. So for the most of the people, they, it's okay to wait. But for people where their uh, provider indicates it or where they have medical conditions that make their immune system a little less robust, we will give them their dose at 28 days. We're talking about monkeypox with Dr. Susan Phillip, health officer for the San Francisco Department of Health. Any last uh, thoughts you want to uh, let people know, last bits of advice for our listeners, Dr. Phillip? Well, I think that San Francisco has very, uh, very savvy, very aware uh, citizens and um, as well as all the residents and providers as well. So we're very fortunate in terms of, of working in San Francisco because people are so savvy and so aware. We know that people are frustrated about uh, the, the vaccine issues and and we are also uh, really striving and hoping that we get more vaccine. But we have been putting vaccine into arms as quickly as we can with so many community providers. And today, the uh, the clinic at the San Francisco General Hospital <laughs> vaccinated 950 people. So as soon as we get vaccine, we are sending it out. We've received about 12,000 doses. You know, we have said publicly that uh, the mayor has asked for 35,000 doses from the federal government as a start, but we know we'll need closer to 70,000 uh, people that need to be need to have the benefit of protection. So we have a lot to do, but we really appreciate the partnership of the community, community advocates, and uh, the providers throughout San Francisco who are doing a really fantastic job under very challenging circumstances. Dr. Susan Phillip, Health Officer for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. We're now joined by Paul Aguilar, chair of the Harvey Milk LGBTQ Democratic Club's HIV Caucus. Welcome, Paul. Good afternoon. How are you, Eric? I'm good. So, Paul, what are you hearing right now? How is monkeypox affecting, um, well, the Bay Area and San Francisco specifically? Well, as Dr. Phillips said, you know, it's hitting one community, but, and pretty hard, you know, men who have sex with men. Um, But make no mistake that once it hits one community, it's a matter of when, not if, it's going to get into the general public. Um, And people, thankfully, like Dr. Phillips said, we are in San Francisco. We are now three pandemics strong in the city. Most of us have learned our lesson from 40 years ago and then again in two and a half years about when there's a virus. You know, we know what to do. So what have we learned from from, uh, COVID and from HIV AIDS that can help us here? Well, we learned that, you know, turning around test results quickly is important to prevent ongoing spread. We've learned that a vaccine approach is not, a vaccine-only approach really isn't adequate, that people need wraparound supportive care, they need paid leave, people who get monkeypox are going to be out of work for weeks, um, which is why this state of emergency declaration, both at the state and city level, is going to be very helpful. Um, We've learned also that when you focus on one community that's being effective, that does tend to lead to um, a lot of stigma. How are you experiencing that stigma or hearing about it? I can tell you anecdotally, a friend of mine who um, had monkeypox, cleared the virus, scab chopped off, skin grew over, had gone to uh, see a physician, a dermatologist about the scars, Dermatologist came out 
and refused to see him for fear of getting infected by monkeypox. Now, they've already stated that it's very clear that the universal precautions, which you know were created 40 years ago to address HIV and AIDS, are adequate to prevent you know infection from monkeypox. You have to think of it more like there was an outbreak of MRSA in 2008, and that's kind of how a lot of my community is looking at this monkeypox outbreak. There are things you can do to mitigate your exposure to it, um, but it's not because of what people are doing that puts them at risk. It's being near somebody who's infected that puts them at risk. In this particular case, like how would we know if someone we perhaps are going to have sex with or get intimate in some other way, if they don't have a rash yet, how do we treat that situation? We talk to the people we're going to be around. We ask them if they know they've been exposed. Take normal common sense precautions as you would with like MRSA. If you're going to be in a, in a crowd and you have been, you, you know, if you've had monkeypox, you know, you cover your skin up. You should quarantine yourself, but we're not going to tell people what to do. They're going to have to make their own choices as to what's risky for them. But there are things you can do. There's some great information out there at sfaf.org forward slash monkeypox that gives you a full battery of information, what you can do to mitigate your exposure, what you can do to mitigate exposing other people. That's the San Francisco AIDS Foundation's website, SFAF. Yeah, forward slash monkeypox all wouldn't work. Okay, fantastic. Um, what I don't know if you uh, went yourself or know people who went to the Dory Alley Fair over the weekend. Did you get any sense of um, – do you have any sense of, of how people are thinking about this right now and reacting? Well, I personally didn't go because I had to work. <laughs> but um, I know people who went. It was not as attended um, like it was in the past. I mean, in past Dory Alley Fairs, people were literally right up against each other. And most people were observing, um, you know, the, the social distancing that we learned to, to observe during COVID. And so that's, that's, again, like Dr. Phillips said, we're really savvy in San Francisco, and we're fortunate for that. Um, we saw what happened 40 years ago when the government ignored the warnings and uh, ignored the science. And, you know, thousands of people were infected and died. And I think San most San Franciscans have learned their lesson around that. Okay. We have a listener question. Are we adequately tracing this virus? Can we use existing COVID tools to contact trace for monkeypox? That is a very good question. And I've been asking that question myself. Just today, I asked somebody in the Department of Public Health why we haven't started contact tracing. We had that established when COVID hit. Um, that's why I say a vaccine-only strategy isn't going to prevent monkeypox from becoming endemic in the United States. If we do not use all the tools in our arsenal, I can't explain why we're not. You'll have to talk to somebody in Department of Public Health about so, that. So what, what, what kind of response did you get from, from the person you asked? More talk about, you know, vaccines on their way. Um, you know, and by the way, California other, which means not L.A., so far, as of July 27th, has a little over 37,000 doses um, deployed. So everybody but L.A. L.A. has their own line item. Okay. So that's still not enough, as Dr. Phillips said. We would need a lot more than that in the Bay Area alone just to keep this from becoming endemic. 
Mm-hmm. Paul, there's been a debate about public health messaging around monkeypox, and I'm wondering why you think that is and what should the messaging be? <laughs> you know, I was 18 when those first reports of AIDS came out in 1981. So I remember the messaging back then and it was it was horrible it was horrific the messaging needs to be clear that it's transmittable through skin to skin contact or linens or clothing and it's not about a person's behaviors it's about being near somebody or exposed to somebody who's had it there are cases already of you know women getting it pregnant women children, you know, again, I liken it to the outbreak of MRSA in 2008, of which I was a victim. Remind us what MRSA is, because a lot of people may not remember that. It is a staph infection that can eat your skin. It's basically a flesh-eating staph infection. And they were worried about that. And monkeypox is very similar transmission. Like, you know, athletes were at risk of MRSA because they were in close physical contact or they shared gym equipment. And the MPV virus is basically transmitted in the same way. Long exposed uh, contact skin to skin um, or like clothing or towels. Um, So it wasn't because they were athletes that they were at risk. It's because they had, you know, used the same equipment. It's the same thing here. Right. Actually, that's very in line with a question we just had emailed into us. Listener question, I've heard I can get infected from sheets and towels or clothing. How long is the virus transmissible on surfaces? And uh, do I have to worry about trying on clothing at a store, for example? As far as I understand, not trying on clothing at stores, but I would personally not do that. There isn't anything definitive that I can find with an exact time frame. They're not infectious when the lesions scab up, the scabs drop off, and they um, form new skin over where the lesions were. So the scabs themselves are contagious. So if somebody's got a lesion with a scab on it and it drops on a sheet or a towel, then you could feasibly get it from that. Because it really hasn't been studied as much in the United States because it's not endemic here, there's not a lot of information that I can find that would answer that question. You know, last week uh, when the World Health Organization uh, declared this an emergency, WHO recommended that men who have sex with men reduce their number of sexual partners, at least for the time being. And I'm curious to know what you think of that recommendation and uh, if, it's, if it's realistic. And then we have several, like Doriali just happened this weekend. We have the Folsom, Folsom Street, Street Fair coming, coming up at the end of right. September. Um, what advice do you have for listeners uh, to keep them safe? As I, as I said before, I'm not going to tell people how to behave. Uh, we, they tried that 40 years ago, closing the bathhouses and we realized that didn't solve anything, did it? It just drove everything underground. You know, if you, if, if you have, um, a suspicion that somebody was exposed, if you feel you were exposed, the best thing is to quarantine yourself and then get tested and get treated. Um, of course that's kind of hard with not enough vaccine here. Um, there is a great, on the website that I mentioned earlier, a list of less risky and more risky behaviors. And people can download that or view that and decide for themselves. Okay. We have to leave it there, unfortunately, but I really appreciate you joining us. Paul Aguilar, chair of the Harvey Milk LGBTQ Democratic Club's HIV Caucus. Thank you, Eric. 
You've been listening to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Christopher Beale. That conversation between Eric Jansen, our founding producer, Paul Aguilar, and earlier Dr. Susan Phillip of San Francisco's Department of Public Health was recorded on August 1st on 91.7 FM KALW on their program, State of the Bay. Produced by Kendra Klang and engineered by Damian Miner at NPR member station 91.7 FM KALW in the San Francisco Bay Area. They're one of the stations that air out in the Bay each week. Thanks also to San Francisco Public Press's radio station KSFP 102.5 FM in the San Francisco Bay Area for broadcasting out in the Bay. If you'd like to hear queer radio on your local public radio station, let them know and let us know at outinthebay.org. You can catch up on past episodes of Out in the Bay, get in touch, and sign up for our email newsletter at outinthebay.org. You can make a donation there as well. That's outinthebay.org. Your donation helps us keep bringing queer air to your ears. Out in the Bay is a nonprofit independent production, which means we rely on donations from listeners like you to keep the show going. You can make a donation. It's tax deductible at outinthebay.org. Thanks to Brad Payton and Richard Merck of Silicon Valley and Cornelia Enders of San Francisco for your generous support. Our executive producer is Eric Jansen. Our theme music is by Holly Mead. I'm Christopher Beale in San Francisco at Real Chris J. Beale on social media. We'll see you next week out in the Bay. Thank you.